0: What's up, everybody? Oh man, this is uh, a. <laughs> I know I was supposed to do a breakdown. It's a little hard to do a breakdown when the main event is pretty much how you it's pretty much how you expected. I, I mean, uh, excuse me. Like I said, just things get crazy. Things, I mean, life gets in the way. I kind of forget about it. But um, I said I was going to give you a breakdown. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's gonna it's the post-breakdown, not a pre-breakdown. But um, I'm going to do the best that I... I'm doing the best I can. So, But thank you guys for listening, and I really appreciate it. Um, UFC 253. Holy fuck, what a night. I mean... Kind of... It was what I expected. It, it's honestly... It's one of the few main... Few fight cards where... It went exactly how I expected, where like always and pretty much just like with everything, people overlook certain elements and they don't really, you know, they, they just don't really think about those certain factors. And there of course, it's good that they've noticed others, but there's some key elements that seem to be overlooked. And I, I, I get into this debate all the time with people who obviously just... T- they're, they're just douches about it and they don't understand. So, to start the card off, we're going to go to the first fight of the main card. Um, I wanted to talk about a preliminary fight, but I decided not to do that. Um, there's other stuff I want to talk about too, not just fighting, so probably just going to stick to the main card. But uh, next time, definitely going to do a full breakdown of both the prelims and the main card. I'm not just going to do the main card anymore because there are some good fights in the prelims. And um, I don't think it's fair that the main card guys get all the shine, especially if the prelim guys fight better than the main card guys. So, And I was thinking about that today. So, yeah, next fight definitely going to be... Breaking down some preliminary fights along with the main card fights, um, to also make these podcasts a little longer for you guys. Because I know some some of them are they, they seem too short for my taste. But anyways, um, we we'll start the first fight on the main on the main card: Hakim Duwadu versus Zubra Zub, 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 Zubera took who i don't know some a fucking russian dude dagestan guy we'll say the hakim the black guy versus the dagestani there we go that's it that's the best way to describe it um pretty much it was a fight that went to decision and in all honesty it was a good fight i was kind of got i got kind of caught up in shadow boxing so i didn't really watch all of it Be, you know i was kind of back and forth because i got caught up you know the fight was good it was a good competitive fight until it got... Into, and it was pretty much even until it got to the third round where the Dagestani, he just kind of tapered off and didn't really try to dominate the third round. And I've always said there's a difference between winning the rounds and winning the fight. So, and, um, you know, that's pretty much the lesson to be learned of that fight. You know, winning the rounds versus winning the fight. Uh... Caitlin Vieira versus Sajara Eubanks. Um, the, pretty much, I, listening to this fight, Sajara Eubanks said something that really stuck out to me. And it, it's, something that, it, it's something that all fighters in her position fall for, you know, to say the least. And it, it, it was something that told me, you know, she better win. Because if she loses, she's going to she, she's gonna have to, a huge pill to swallow. Um, she said in the pre-fight build-up that I want a top 5, top 10 opponent. I am tired of fighting these tomato cans. Um, don't say you want a top 5, top 10 opponent until you've beaten your current opponent. Guy, a lot of fighters they get a lot of fighters, and this goes for fighters who even talk about wanting to be, you know, a double champ. It's like, well, you haven't even won one belt yet, so why are you talking about wanting to be a double champ if you haven't won even one belt, even one belt yet? And. It's the same thing with fighters who try to say, oh, I want a top five, top ten opponent. Well, you haven't even beaten your current opponent. So how are you going to sit here and say you want a top five, top ten opponent? Beat your current opponent first, then start talking about how you want, you know, a top five, top ten. Because if you're saying things like I'm tired of fighting these tomato cans, I'm tired of fighting these unranked fighters, I'm tired of doing this, tired of doing that. You know, your opponent is going to go in the impression that you're underestimating him. You know, Um, you're going to go in there with the impression that you're under that you're going to go in there with the impression of underestimating your opponent. And it's happened all the time. And I think um, Eubanks underestimated Vieira. I think she underestimated her a little bit. It was clear that Eubanks had the better hands. It it was really clear she had the better hands, but she just could not get... She couldn't keep herself out of that clinch. She just couldn't. She, She couldn't keep herself out of the clinch. She couldn't keep, you know... She couldn't keep uh, Vieira from closing the distance on her. I mean, in the beginning of the fight, I mean, she backed up a lot. She really, really backed up. Don't get me wrong, she had some good moments. She even had some good moments in the third round. I mean, but she couldn't really stake an offense, you know? Vieira just kept putting pressure, putting pressure, and, you know, and kept just going toward her, going toward her, and she never really got anything off, she would throw like one, two shots, and then stop, and then pull back, One, two shot, one, two, one, two, three shot, and then pull back, and it was like, she never really tried to dominate, it was more, she just was doing enough to survive, um, as soon as Vieira got on the inside, as soon as Vieira just clinched up with her, it was just, it was it, I mean, it, it was it, I mean, Vieira wasn't really the most technically sound. Or really that impressive either. But... You know, it was... But Vieira was just... I mean... But, but Vieira was clearly... You know, getting the better of the fight. It was, I mean... It was pretty evident. Um, if there was one thing about that fight... That pissed me off... Was... So, like... So... What really pissed me off in the fight was... In the second round, Vieira had Eubanks up against the cage, had her pinned down. She was working, you know, she she wasn't just laying there and stalling. She was working, throwing ground and pound, putting pressure, and then the ref just stopped it. The ref stopped it and told him to stand back up. And all I could think to myself was, what the fuck is that ref doing? she was working she was you know you know she wasn't just laying there she was trying to f- she was fighting she was working she was going up I mean, she was working. She was, you know, hitting her with ground and pound. She was putting... She was driving her head into Eubank's chin. It wasn't like she was just laying there not doing anything. She was working. And the ref, for some reason, stopped stopped him and, you know, told him to stand back up. And all I could think to myself was, what the fuck was this ref doing? That's got to be the dumbest thing I've... I mean, you know, luckily it didn't affect the fight. You know, Eubank still, you know, it... You know, Vieira got the win, but all I could think to myself was, if Eubanks comes back and dominates for the rest of this fight, that is gonna, that's gonna be the significant thing that sticks out. Is why the fuck did the ref stand them up? That's gonna, that that ref is gonna have a huge cloud over his head. But um, luckily, Vieira got the win, so there's really no complaint. But all in all, I mean, Eubanks clearly, she just over. She just overshot herself, you know? She overshot her shot, you know? She wasn't focusing on her opponent. She was, honestly, she was just expecting her opponent to just fall over, you know? She was expecting to win by default, you know? When she was talking about, you know, I'm tired of fighting tomato cans, it's just like, well, are you sure? Because the opponent you're fighting isn't a tomato can, you know? Yeah, she's been out on injury, but she's not a tomato can, um... But hey, so, but good win for Vieira. That was a good win for Vieira, honestly. So, oh man, Kai Kara France versus Brandon Royale. Um, pretty much, um, when dealing with with a fighter who's really good at one thing, whether it's striking or grappling, wrestling, whatever the hell it is, you want to make it a fight you don't want to fight them in that area. You don't want to come at them in one direction. You want to make it a fight. And what I mean is by not coming them at one direction is you want to do everything. You want to attack them with knees, strikes, punches, takedowns, submissions. You want to mix it up and throw everything out there. Because then it makes it hard for them to defend and attack because they don't know what they're going to cuz they don't know what to expect. You know, if you just come at somebody with with one approach, not mixing it up, then they're going to get comfortable, they're going to figure it out, and then they're going to start letting things go. And Brandon Royale did exactly that. He jumped on Kai Kawa France. I mean, he did not waste any time. He made it a fight. He jumped on him with knees, elbows, kicks, punches, went for takedowns, threw submissions. And there was a point when, you know, Kai looked like he was going to win. You know, he cracked Royale with a good straight right. And, you know, it looked like he was going to win because his legs gave out when when he fell down for the second time. So you can tell he was hurt. And Kai came in to try to close the distance and... Royale threw a haymaker of an elbow that w- once it landed the the tide turned almost immediately Kai was hurt like you can see it in his demeanor in his body language he was hurt and everything he did was just he just could not get comfortable he could not get comfortable he was pretty much on autopilot that elbow really set the tone for everything, and Royale just kept making it a fight, he kept jumping on it, he just didn't, he didn't give Kai a moment to breathe and get comfortable, he made it a fight, and that's what you have to do when you're fighting somebody who's really good at one thing, is you can't come at them in one direction, you have to do everything, you gotta make it a fight, people who are really solid in one or two areas, you know, they can't mix it up. You know, they can only focus on one side of the fence. So when you're constantly switching back and forth, it makes it hard for them to get anything going and it leaves them open for stuff. And that's exactly what happened with, you know, Kaikawa France when he fought Brandon Royale was Royale just made it a fight. He kept jumping back and forth back and forth from each side of the fence, and when he had an opportunity to throw that elbow, he threw it, just boom, and after that, it was just all downhill, it was just, it, that was it, you know, and it was, I mean, shit, and it was, I mean, and he got cracked really good with the right hand, I mean, it's one thing, you know it's a good shot when your opponent. Not only falls over, not once, but twice. And the second time he falls over is just because his legs just give out almost immediately. And that's what happened. He was, his legs gave out real quick. You know, after, after recovering the first time, his legs gave out the second time because it was that good of a shot. But um, like I said, Brandon Royale stuck to his guns. Um, he made it a fight. And that's what you have to do with fighters who are really solid in one or two areas is you've got to make it a fight where you're doing everything. You're mixing it up. And Brandon Royale mixed it up to where Kai was just so overwhelmed that he did something out of desperation, which was go for the double and just he caught him in a guillotine. And that was it. You know, and it's just, and that's how you know, you know, and and that's how you know, not only was Kai still rocked from the elbow, but that's how you know he was, he fell to the pressure because... You know, Brent, and that's how you know he fell to the pressure because Kai is the striker. He's not a guy, he's not known for taking vice to the ground. Kai is the striker. He wants to keep it on the feet. But because Brandon Whale just kept coming at him, kept making it a fight, kept making it dirty, kept throwing all these different types of techniques at him, just boom, 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 boom. He just, he made it a fight, you know. You know, Kai couldn't deal with it, and he just really, and he just, he just, he couldn't deal with it, and he just really made a desperate move that, I mean, holy shit, (laughs) I mean, it was a tight guillotine, it looked like he was gonna go out, but once he readjusted his legs, it was over, I mean, great job for Brandon Royale, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't know he was the LFA, you know, flyweight champion, which says a lot, and, um, I'm kinda interested to see what he does in the future, um, who you know, um Kai, he's always been, I guess, the number seven of the flyweights. Um, you know, is he you know it's a learning experience, he'll come back. So, but that that was a wild fight. <laughs> that fight was wild. That was probably one of my favorite fights. Um, and so then we got Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blakovich. So um I said leading up to this fight that this is a battle between power and experience versus speed and athleticism. And it's just one of those classic fights. With the, It's just one of those classic fights. You know? Can the power and the experience of Jan Blakowicz overcome the athleticism and speed of Dominic Reyes? And the and if Dominic Grays wins, if and if Dominic Gray and the thing is, and for Dominic Grays to win, you know, he has to learn from the last fight. He has to learn from his last fight. He you know trying trying to put this in details. I was going over this in my head. But it was power and experience versus speed and athleticism. And I had Jan, and unless Dominic Reyes learned his lesson from the last fight, which was against John Jones, it, Jan Blakowicz is going to win. Um, there's levels to this shit. And when you get to the level of the champions, of the elite, being bigger, stronger, faster, and hitting harder, pretty much being the athlete... Having, you know, trying, being the superior athlete does not cut it anymore. You have to work on being the better fighter, being the better martial artist. Yes, when you were fighting mid-level competition, getting away with your athleticism, yeah, it worked in the past. But now you're fighting the elite of the elite. These guys are not trying to be the superior athlete or the tougher guy. They're trying to be the superior fighter. They're trying to be the all around better martial artist. That's why John Jones won. It wasn't because he was the better athlete. It was because he was the better martial artist. He was not trying to be bigger, stronger, faster, and hit harder. He was trying to be better. And while Dominic Reeves was trying to be bigger, stronger, faster, and hit harder, he was trying to out athlete John when he should have fought. When he should have out John. And that was the mistake. And that was the same thing. That happened in his fight. With Hian Blakovich. I mean. Blakovich. Sorry. Uh, Blakovich was trying to win the fight. While once again. Dominic Rees was trying to win the rounds. He was trying to out-athlete Hian Blakovich, Where Jan Blokovic was trying to outfight him. He was hitting him with, you know, body kicks, maintaining his distance, picking his shots. You know, Dominic Riz was just <laughs> exploding, just exploding, diving in, diving out. You know, just he wasn't setting anything up. He wasn't, he wasn't setting anything up. He wasn't trying to, you know, make, he wasn't making any adjustments. He was just trying to, he was trying to do more reps. Where, you know, Domin- where Jan Blokovic was trying to do better with the lifting. You know, he was trying to lift, do better with the lifting. It's like the difference between a guy who can lift right versus a guy who can do more reps. And that's kind of, and that's pretty much what it was. Jan Blokovic was simply the better fighter. You know, Dominic Reyes was not the better fighter. He was... Obviously, the superior athlete, the speed and the athleticism was pretty clear, but when it came down to being the better fighter, Jan Blakovic just outclassed him. He got him, you know, and I like to listen to other people's breakdowns to get an idea of, you know, what different, different perspectives. And one of the perspectives that I heard from the weasel who I, I have a love hate relationship with and Chel Sutton was they kept saying Dominic Reyes did not look there he looked tentative he looked like he gave you know Jan Blakovic too much respect he looked like he was trying to conserve energy for the later rounds I don't believe that I don't think he was trying to conserve energy for the later rounds I don't think he was giving and too much respect I think he gave him the right amount of respect I just think it's the same thing as I said before There's a difference between winning the fight versus winning the rounds. And Jan Blakovic was trying to win the fight, whereas, you know, Dominic Reyes was just trying to win rounds. He wasn't trying to win the fight. He wasn't making adjustments. He wasn't getting the timing. He wasn't trying to nothing. He wasn't moving with a sense of purpose. He was just trying to out-athlete Jan, and Jan was just... He wasn't trying to be the better athlete. He was trying to be the better fighter. Um, One thing that made a lot of sense, one thing that I made a lot of sense, and I do believe this, was when I listened to the breakdown of Jimmy Smith, he said, you know, Dominic Reyes looked like he expected to win. He didn't go in there, er, going there with the idea of earning the win, he went in with the thought process of just expecting to win. Like Jan was just going to fall over and he was going to get the title that easy. And that could be the truth. I mean, and in some ways I agree with that. You know, when you look at the promotion, it was all, he's the uncrowned light heavyweight King. He beat John Jones. It was a controversial fight. You know, the reason why John's going up to heavyweight, he doesn't want to fight Dominic Reyes. All that could get to your head, <laughs> you know, all that could get to your head, you know. And when you're finding a guy like Jan Blakovich, who's the older fighter, you know, a guy who's I mean, he's had a resurgence. He, he's had a hard career. You know, he had a tougher climb. When you think about it, you know, you're not going in there thinking that it's going to be an easy fight. It's very easy to go in there thinking that, well, I just fought one of the greatest fighters one of the greatest fighters of all time. Everybody thinks I won. They're already calling me the light heavyweight king. I haven't got the title yet, so this is going to be easy. This guy's just going to fall over. You know, I'm just going to win by default. You know, he fell to what I like to call the BJ Penn mindset, where people think we, and and he fell into what I like to call the BJ Penn mindset, where he thought that because of title, he was just going to win by default not by skill. And I've said before, title doesn't account for skill. You could have the biggest name, you could have be you could be the most popular. You could have this this huge crown of accomplishments or ro- of whatever of just royalty or whatever the hell it is. But at the end of the day, skill pays the bills. And if you think that because of your title that your opponent is just that you're just gonna walk through your opponent just because of title alone, you are in for a rude awakening. You know you are <laughs> you are going to fall short every time. You are going to you're gonna wind up like Dominic Reyes. I mean, and that is true, and that's what it did seem like. At you know, and rewatching the fight, it, I can see. Why, why Jimmy Smith would think that? You know, it did seem like that, but like I said, you know, but I, but I, but like I said, you know, Dominic Reyes was trying to be the better athlete when he should have been trying to be the better fighter, you know. And as I was telling, you know, I, I was telling a a buddy, my buddy Kevin, that I said, as I was telling my buddy Kevin a couple of days ago. You know, leading up to the fight, I said, you know, it depends. Did Dominic Grease learn his lesson? Did he learn that to be at this level, you have to be better? You can't, the days of just being the superior athlete are over. You have to be better. You have to be the better fighter. You, You know, you have to be the more efficient martial artist. The days of being the superior athlete are over. Okay, you've had that. That was a different level. You're at a new level now where being the better athlete is over. You have to be the better fighter. And it just, you know, and that was the question. Did he learn his lesson from that fight with John Jones? And it was pretty clear he didn't learn nothing of it. He went in there doing the same shit. If there was one thing that I noticed was Dominic Reyes has this pattern where he, and almost like a Dos Santos, where he circles all the way left, all the way right, and then back straight up up against the cage. And he's not really that fluent with his movement. I know everybody likes to think he's got great movement. It's dynamic, but it's not technical, you know. And Jan, you know, Jan Blokovic, you know, pretty much exposed it. You know, he did a good job of throwing that left kick to the body. You know, drive pushing Dominic Grace to his right hand, which was smart. You know, shutting down Dominic Grace from circling to his right. He kept Dominic Reyes' circuit to his left. And then every time Dominic Reyes would back up to back straight up to the fence, he would stop halfway when he would come into attack because he knew that Dominic Reyes would come over with a counter. So he would sit there. He would flirt with punches, stop halfway and then re- and then maintain his distance, you know, and then re re you know reclaim and maintain his distance. That's what he did. And and that's was and that was really obvious. And that was the one thing that really stuck out in this fight was he never charged all the way through. He would charge at Dominic Reyes to a certain point. The only time he would charge at Dominic Reyes or really do any sort of attack was when Dom was in range when Dom was in range, he would attack when Dom when he would come in to attack Dom he would he would charge in to a certain point he would come in and attack to a certain point and then stop himself before he would go too far. He then, because if he went any further, he would overextend himself and get caught. So he was doing he did a good job of maintaining himself. Good job of, you know, maintaining the distance and controlling his momentum. Never never trying to overextend, just being within the range where he can attack and retract, attack and retract. And you know, I mean It was so clear that, I mean, and it was so clear that, you know, Jan was just getting the timing and was just figuring out, you know, Dominic Reese out, and Dominic Reese could not make adjustments. And like I said, he was just, he was trying to be the better athlete when he should have been trying to be the better fighter. And it was pretty clear Jan was the better fighter. You know, it just, uh, some people want to say that the stoppage I've read some comments people wanted to say that the stoppage was bad was a early stoppage let, let's let just be clear when the legs get wobbly the guy's done he's hurt you know like I said Emmanuel Stewart said it best look at the legs the legs never lie and when he, Dominic Reyes got caught with that left hook, or I believe it was the left hook or was it the straight right? Either way, he was hurt a couple times leading up to the big one. But when he got hurt, his legs turned into rubber. And after that, it was done. The The ref was literally right there. And even if, let's say, the ref didn't stop it, Dom wasn't going to be able to get up. He just wasn't going to be to get His legs were shot. He was pretty much going to be trapped on the ground. With Jan punching his lights out. And from what I was told, you know, when the ref sees your legs get wobbly like that, two more, two, three more shots, you're done. And, I mean, so it was a good call. I mean, so, I don't know. There's really no argument there. It was a good call. Look at the legs. The legs never lie. It was a good call. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we got a new champion. Good job, Jan Blakovic. I mean, The experience and power paid off. Uh, Let's see. Uh, The main event. Uh, (laughs) Adesanya versus... Israeli Adesanya versus Paul Costa. Oh, man. This was not a fight. This was just a slaughter. This is just one of those fights where uh, to, to dial it back... It reminded me of Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, the second fight. Or for some of you who's even familiar with boxing, you know, Felix Trinidad versus Bernard Hopkins. In which we all knew that Bernard Hopkins was going to win. As much as we love Felix Trinidad, as much as we want to root for Felix Trinidad, we knew... That Bernard Hopkins is the best there is. And Felix is just not gonna win. He will give his best efforts and he's not gonna win. The same thing with Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. We all so many people love Deontay Wilder. He had this great, you know, walkout, which was a tribute to Black History Month, but everyone knew that Tyson Fury was the better man. And we all knew. And it was just only a matter of time. The same thing with Stylebender versus Costa. I mean, Costa, as 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 of much of a physical specimen he is, which it's because of steroids. Let's just cut the bullshit. He, he takes steroids. Um, but uh, as much as there were people that thought... It was a close fight. Like, there were people... Like, I was looking at the odds for this, and there were so many people who had this fight dead even. And all I could think to myself was, what fucking fight makes you think that Paula Costa has a chance against Israeli Adesanya? What fucking, and and I just remember watching people pull up stats, and, and the thing about the UFC stats, or just a lot of MMA stats is, they're never really accurate they're not done by legitimate experts, they, they claim they're done by experts, but we all know they're not done by experts, they're done with idiots who claim to be experts you know, they've never trained and fought they've, they, I mean, who knows how long they've been watching fighting, I mean, hell, we don't even know if they're talking to people who have experience in the area, so anyways But but the and that's neither here nor there. But the thing is, is just it's just like what fucking fight made you think like the thing was Uriah Hall dropped him. Uriah Hall is like a top Uriah Hall is nowhere near the top five. Let alone the top 10. I mean, he was at, at one point where he was probably maybe number 8 and number 7. And a lot of that was due to his fight with Gegard Musasi. But, I mean, but either way, he has not really been able to crack the top 10. You know, what fight made you effing think that he was going to win? And then the thing too is, and then everybody tried to use Romero. But I said, Romero... Has nowhere near any decent striking, and he was able to crack Costa left and right. I mean, he like immediately after being rocked, he got up, cracked Costa, knocked him down, and was just tagging him with shots left and right. And Yolo Romero does not have the best striking at all. His striking is nowhere near good. It just looks good because of because of his athleticism, and athleticism is not. And like I said, athleticism does not account for skill. You know, the same thing with Dominic Gray, as a lot of people said, you know. That Dominic Reyes was the more technical striker because of his, was the more technical striker. But the reality is, is because of his athleticism. But the thing is, athleticism is not, does not account for skill, does not account for skill. It's not proof of being skilled in this particular area, whether it's striking or on the ground. You could be athletic as you want, but that's not a substitute for technique. That doesn't, that's not a, that doesn't account for technique it it doesn't at all that's the thing everyone thought that but then, which is why i never understood you know why everybody kept saying dominic reyes has you know technical striking i was like no he's just really athletic to where it looks like he's technical but really he's not athleticism is is does not athleticism doesn't athleticism does not account for strike for technique i mean athleticism is not a it just doesn't you know, athleticism doesn't account for technique. You know, and just you know, and that was the thing. Same thing. Yo Romero, he's had knockouts, but he's not a he's not technical at all. He's just gets away with it because he's just able. He just gets away with it because he's really athletic. And like I said, athleticism does not account for technique. Being really athletic is is you know being really athletic. Doesn't mean you have great technique. You could be a, all the you have all the athleticism in the world. Doesn't mean you're you're a super technical striker or a super technical wrestler or grappler. Just doesn't work like that. You know, like I said, so, you know, and your marrow would crack Costa left and right. So if your marrow was able to crack Costa easily. In a three-round fight, what the fuck did you think was going to happen when he fought Adesanya? And the thing is, too, is and another thing was, was, I was listening to Jack Slack, who started saying that the best way to stop a fighter from moving around is to kick him in his legs. If you're dealing with a fighter that uses a lot of footwork, kick him in his legs. That's true if the fighter hasn't dealt with leg kicks before. And he gave these analogies of fighters who have been kicked in the legs. But see, here's the difference. They've been kicked in the legs before. They knew what to deal. He, you know, he kind of left that detail out. He seemed to overlook the detail. And then he gave fighters who use a lot of movement and have been kicked in the legs numerous of times. And have still, (laughs) and had no problem dealing with it. It, it, Israeli Adesanya is a multiple-time He's a world champion in kickboxing. But, I mean, and the thing is, Adesanya, he's a multiple-time kickboxing champion. He's fought in MMA for a long time now. He's like 20-0 in MMA. He has been kicked in the legs before. Okay, he's been kicked in the legs numerous of times. So he's not going to be surprised if Costa tries to throw kicks at him. Whether it's to the body, whether it's to the head, y- you know, people were acting like you know if Costa throws kicks or does something, you know, this way or that way, it's gonna throw Adesanya off. Adesanya's experienced this shit before. It's not like he hasn't. And another thing is, is you know, Jack Slack tried saying that kickboxing titles means nothing in MMA. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Kickboxing titles absolutely mean something in MMA. Saying that kickboxing, kickboxing titles don't mean anything in MMA is like saying being a jiu-jitsu black belt doesn't mean anything in MMA. Being a world champion, you know, division one wrestler doesn't mean anything in MMA. Oh, no, it means something. <laughs> don't let, let's not be dumb here. So, you know, it was just like it was weird. Like everyone's like, oh, if Costa kicks him or goes to the body, what is Adesanya going to do? Adasanya's has experienced this. He's a he's a multiple time champion in kickboxing. And then is also apparently has a record in boxing, and then as well as the fact he's he's twenty and zero in MMA, he's been kicked in the legs. He's he's had people go to the body. He's face fighters like Costa who are really strong and can back him up. He knows what to do, and you know, and the thing is is just and it was pretty clear, you know, it, it was pretty clear, you know, when Costa kicked him in his legs, Adesanya didn't even flinch. When Adesanya kicked Costa in the legs, Costa backed the hell up. He didn't do jack shit about it. You could see it in his demeanor. He knew he was he was out of his depth. You know he was he was trying to get Adesanya to just come in. He was trying to bait him. He was trying to, you know, get him to, you know, overreact. You you know, and Adesanya wouldn't bite. You know, uh. He wouldn't bite, you know. Uh, Pretty much, Costa was trying to do the same thing that Romero did. But the difference between Romero and Costa is... Which is the reason why those fights, which both fights ended differently, is Romero has that explosiveness. That just split-second explosiveness where things can turn left really quick. Costa does not have... That type of explosiveness. He is an... an he, how do I put it? He is a volume guy. He's a powerhouse. He's not an explosive guy. He's one of those guys that... Exactly. He's he's strong, but he's not explosive strong. You know? And that that's the thing. He's a volume guy. He's not an explosive guy. He's strong, but he's not like explosive strong. He just has that strength that kind of lasts for a duration of a period. I mean... I mean, I wouldn't say he has endurance strength like Usman, but he has, you know, he he doesn't have those fast twitch muscle fibers where he can just explode off the cuff like that, the way that Romero can explode off the cuff, you know? And that's why Adesanya this time, you know, was able to, you know, not only, that's why Adesanya this time was able to engage more, you know, than then more in this fight than he was with Yo Romero. Because Paula Costa is not an explosive fighter. He's more of a volume like fighter. He's strong, but he's not explosive strong. And, you know, Yo Romero is explosive strong. So if you try to, you know, just go in and, and engage and try to push him back, it's like, yeah, you can do that. But as you've seen in so many of his fights, like the Costa fight, one shot and that's it you know you have to fight according to your opponent's you know style body type and the things they can do and costa doesn't have that type of explosiveness he doesn't have that type of explosiveness that romero does and you know that was a significant factor so when i was hearing people saying like oh you know this is great you know he engaged unlike in the romero fight where he didn't engage so he learned from that fight No, no, he, he, he fought smart in that fight, just like this fight, he fought smart, it wasn't that he didn't want to engage, it was, you know, he wanted to engage, is this Romero's so explosive that he could, he was limited to what he can do, and, but with Costa, he wasn't limited to what he can do, because, you know, Costa was a completely different style, you know, it was a completely different problem, and, you know, Costa was trying to, you know, bait him in and talk shit, but a lot of that the thing what i noticed was leading up to the walk in when the walkouts was costa looked nervous when you watch him on the walkout his face looked pale he looked like he saw a fucking ghost you know and and if, and you know and to quote the great floyd money mayweather it's different under those lights you know it, it's different under those lights Talking from the sidelines is a lot different when you have the problem facing standing there right in front of you. You know, it's easy to, you know, say from stand on the sidelines and criticize and point out this fighter's flaws and what they can do and the weaknesses. Now try doing it. Now try having that same mindset with that person standing right in front of you and then having to perform it. It is different. You know, it's different under those lights. It is just not, it's a completely different animal. And that, and I, and Paula Costa learned that tonight. And I think that's something that we all learned tonight. Because walking up to the, walking up to the cage, he did not look, he did not look confident at all. He looked like he saw a ghost. And when Adesanya was right in front of him, it was just like, I mean, it wasn't even a fight. It, I mean, I think a lot of, Jamie Smith said it best, it was a performance. I mean, he cracked him with the legs, cracked him with shots, cracked him. I mean, Costa tried to close the distance, but when you're getting kicked in the legs as many times as he has, your, your movement is stifled, you know? When somebody... You know, takes out at least one of your legs. Your movement is stifled. Good luck trying to move. Good luck trying to get momentum. And Costa tried to do it, and he just couldn't. He couldn't close the distance. You know, those leg kicks stopped him. And you know, once you know, Costa pretty much became a sitting duck at this point. Adesanya just started to unload more, and the key, and and, and the key factor what led to the stoppage. Was uh, was when Adesanya threw the head kick, he threw this whipping left head kick where it looked like he was coming low, where he was coming low and then hit him high. You know, it, it's like it's pretty, it's like a Taekwondo kick where you fake low and come high, and he threw this left high kick where it looked like it was going to the body, but then he whipped it right over the top. And once that happened costa was never the same he that's when the that's when everything started to go downhill you know it's just costa started to back up he just he was hurt you know he he was hurt i know as, as tough as he was he was hurt and you could see it when a, when a fighter gets hit with a good shot and then they suddenly start backing up that's how you know they're hurt that's how you know they got hit with a good shot And they're and they're and they're and they're feeling some, you know, and they're they're feeling some rattles in the brain, you know, (laughs) they're starting to feel a little, you know, shaky, you know, even though you may not see it, they may not show it, you know, but they're rattled. That's how you know a fighter is rattled is when they get caught with a good shot and then they start backing up almost immediately. And that's exactly what happened with Costa. I mean, he got caught with that whipping left high kick that it was like, it came low, like as if it was coming to the body, and then it whipped over the top to the head. And then once it hit, Costa just started backing up. You knew he was rattled once he started backing up. That head kick really set the tone. And then Adesanya just started picking him apart, throwing strikes, hitting him with jabs, throwing more kicks. Like he just started unloading more and more and then slipped Threw a nice left hook. He slipped to his left, and then threw a nice sharp left hook. That I mean, it didn't look like it hit clean. It looked like it clipped Costa right on the temple. And after that, Costa dropped. And I mean, shit. I, I don't. Know. You know, it just. I, I don't. I mean, it was all done. It it was all done from there. I mean, it was just it was just a man versus a boy. And I mean. It's, uh, And he said it best, you know, I don't care, (laughs) I don't care, you know, if you're a bodybuilder, you know, it doesn't mean anything when it comes to the fist, you know, it's just, you know, big muscles don't mean shit, you know, when you get kicked or punched or somebody picks you up and dunks you on your head, and I mean, and that's what Adesanya did, he just picked him apart, and, you know, Costa just didn't have an answer, there was just nothing Costa can do. And I mean, and, and it was just, and like I said, it was just hilarious how everybody thought it was even. Everyone thought it was even. Even Dana White thought it was this even, but in reality, it was not really that even. When you look at Costa's resume, it just, you know, the only big fight that he had was against Yo Romero, and he didn't even look that good in that. It was an exciting fight, but a lot of people, people thought he lost. And it's just, I mean, and it was pretty clear. That there's levels to this shit. And just like with Dominic Reyes, being tough and hitting hard is not enough. Because that's all Costa is. He's just a big guy who takes a good shot and hits really hard. And that's all Costa is. That's all he's been. That's how he's won all of his fights. He he, he never won his fights through the technique. He just won his fights by being stronger, hitting harder, and being tougher. That's all it was. You know, he just wore, he, 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 that's all it was. He just won his fights pretty much as you would call through attrition. That's what it was. He won his fights pretty much through attrition. That's, that's how he's won his fights. Just through attrition by being tough and powering through being tough and powering through. And because he's got, and, and because he's got the power to hit harder, you know, it helps him get through those tough times even more. But when you go up against a guy like Adesanya, who's just, I mean, he can fight you backing up. He can fight you coming forward. I mean, he really showed that tonight. And he showed that in other fights. But this fight, you clearly see he's gotten better because, you know, he was so sharp with his shots. And, you know, he was sharp before. And we've seen him... We we've seen him, you know, come forward on guys like Derek Brunson and Veneta and and all that. Excuse me, but this fight, he it was like you didn't really see him kind of hanker on it. He you didn't really see him kind of sit down on his punches. This fight, you really saw him sit down on his punches, and his shots were a lot sharper. Like he was making Costa feel every shot. You know, Costa felt everything and it was pretty clear that it was proved I mean his distance management the way he just I mean his distance management the way he just he went to the body went to the legs went to the head the way he just chopped Costa down I mean he's chopped guys down before but this one it was just way more accurate way more smoother I mean it was like I mean I mean, he looked so comfortable in there. Like I, I mean, it just—he was a completely different fighter that night. I mean, it, that and like I said, his his just technique and his his technique, his footwork, his movement—it was—it was, it was clearly—it it was really improved compared to, you know, his fights before where. He would come in, but sometimes he got a little wild, or sometimes you saw him reaching a little bit, because that was something I noticed in some of his fights. He would reach. This time, he wasn't reaching. He was within right in his range. He got out of range. He moved around. He put himself in good positions to strike. I mean, that was a, that was the big thing was he always made sure he was in the right position to punch. If he was not in the right position to punch, he never jumped on it. If he was in the right position to punch, he would jump on it. In past fights before, you know, he, he, he wouldn't be in the right position, and then he would throw anyway. You know, it was kind of like, all right, well... Yeah, that's good, you know. Yeah, I see what you did there. But if you know, you go with a guy who has a really—if you go with a guy who can knock you out, like a Costa or a, or a Romero, you know, that's a—that's not a good thing. You don't want to kind of—you don't want to—you want to put yourself in a bad position. You know, and he, you know, and there were some times he would have himself in some bad positions. This time he made sure he was in every good position ever. And, you know, and just and that was it. I mean, super impressive fight. I mean, uh, where does he go from here? I mean, he could, I mean. A fight between him and a fight between him and Jared Cannonier is a good fight. That would be an interesting fight. Cannonier is super powerful, um, but I mean, a fight between him and Robert Whittaker is interesting too. Remember, Robert Whittaker, throughout most of his career as the champ, spent most of his time on injury and had hard fights. You know, against Yo Romero, his two title defenses, his two fights for the title was against Yo Romero, and they were hard fights. I mean, and so his fight with Darren Till, he looked fresh and he looked, you know, he looked better, you know. And I think um, a fight between him and Whitaker would be really interesting, you know, a second go around. But then, I mean, Cannoneer's is pretty good too. So um, it's just – it's one of those things where the guy is getting better. You see him getting better. You know, this fight, it was just – You saw him sharper. You saw him, you know, make sure he was in the right position to do certain things. You know, he didn't just get wild. You know, like in the Brunson fight where he kind of got a little wild a little bit. But um, this fight, he was much more composed and much more sharp. And just he just made himself be in the right position. And that's kind of the problem right now. Is is the guy's improving? Like when he says Team White Belt. That I mean, when he that that's literally what he is. He's a white belt because he's still learning. He's still growing. He's not just thinking, "Oh, you know, I don't need. I've I've got this specific skill set. I don't need to learn anything else. I could just rely on it until somebody beats me." No, he's getting better. He's getting sharper. He's improving his game. I mean, all around. I mean, it, it's it's pretty damn clear. And whoever fights him, I mean they're not going to get the same Adesanya that they got before. I mean, this was kind of the problem with Anderson Silva was every time somebody had Anderson Silva figured out, he would do something completely (laughs) out of the ordinary, something that they did not prepare for. A perfect example was when he fought Vitor Belfort. Everybody assumed that, you know, Silva was going to fight a certain way. And, nope, front kick to the face. You know, everybody assumed Silva was going to fight Shale in that first fight, completely stand up. Nope, pulls guard... And submits him. I mean, that was the that was the problem with Silva was you just didn't know what you were gonna get because he was always improving, he was always getting better, and he was never afraid to open himself up. And that's the case with. Israeli Adesanya is—he's getting better. He's opening himself up, and because of that, it's making him a lot sharper. Like I said, this fight was proof of it. The way he, the you know the the way he positioned himself, the way he made sure to position himself in the right place at the right time. The way he was in and out, he never kicked, you know, he never, he never kicked out of range. He only kicked when he knew Costa was in the range of his kicks. He never just threw the kick, you know, he never threw the kick just to kick. You know, he threw the kick when he knew Costa was in range. He he never threw a punch when he knew he wasn't in the right position to punch. Like, in the time when Costa had him up against the fence, he didn't just start throwing punches like in fights before where he kind of, in certain positions, he would throw punches. No, he stayed calm, he got out, he repositioned himself, and then he you know and then he started firing shots he made sure he was in the right position to throw punches you know and that that's was and and that's really big you know not just knowing when to strike but making sure you're in the right position to strike you know which is something that a lot of guys just don't do you know and, and it's very clear and and that's and that was always like i said and and that's the thing you know it was just this was the same problem with Anderson Silva was Anderson Silva was just always improving so you just didn't know what you were going to get you know same thing with Demetrius Johnson like Demetrius Johnson was always improving every fight he did something different every time somebody had him figured out he would do something, and or he would be improved in that area. You know, like everyone was all like, "Oh, well, if what if you fought him like this? Well, he can he beat you like that. Oh, what if you fought him like this? Well, he beat you like this." You know, GSP was another one. I mean, this was kind of the issue with those guys was they were always improving. They were never just fighting the same way. Every fight they came out doing something different. So, you know, um, Adesanya is going to be tough to beat. You know, I know. You know, Chelsea and tried to say Tyron Woodley and, you know, uh, Chris Wyman would be, you know, you would give Adesanya problems. Uh, uh, Tyron Woodley, I don't know if Tyron Woodley's going to fight ever again. Um, there's a good chance he might retire. And if he doesn't retire, the UFC may just kick him out and he may end up going to Bellator. But uh, not trying to be disrespectful, but that's kind of where most fighters that the UFC are done with go, you know. But no disrespect to Bellator. Bellator's got elite fighters. But that's usually the case. And uh, Chris Wyman hasn't been the same since the Rockhold fight. And if anything, if Adesanya – if Chris Wyman fights Adesanya, he's just going to fall. I mean, to me, he's just going to fall. He's going to just – he's going to fall harder than he did in the Rockhold fight, or than any of his fights. I mean, he just, like I said, I mean, yeah, he he beat, you know, yeah, he, he beat Anderson Silva, he beat Lyoto Machida. But the thing was, was those guys were playing more of a counter style, you know, Th- those guys were playing more on a counter style. And reality is, is you know, I mean. Anderson Silva was already on his way out, you know, and it was a lucky punch. I mean, I I understand a lot of people will probably get mad at me for saying it, but it was just, you know, Anderson Silva just he got that lucky punch and the circumstances fell, and fell in his way. And then with Leota Machida, it was just like I said, you know. He he fought. He was good at fighting counter fighters, and Adesanya isn't just a counter fighter. He's a guy that can back you up, and you know as we've shown, Weidman is not really the best technically. He just really isn't. Um, but all in all, uh, it's it's going he's gonna be tough to beat. This this is the Adesanya era, and uh, I mean he broke the EA Sports curse, which is a huge feather in his cap. So kudos to him. Uh, Yep, so, man, thank you guys, and uh, I mean, I appreciate it.